Welcome to Pushing Through. It is Friday afternoon, and it is the day after the NBA trade deadline has finally ended, and I'm sitting across from the kid, BJ Armstrong, and are you exasperated? Are you excited? What, what is the feeling when the trade deadline finally passes? It is... It's really just madness for <laughs> that, that entire week because you're like in such a, you know, hurry up and wait type of moment, right? You're just constantly on the phone. You're constantly talking. There's always a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas. This is about to happen. And then it gets We see mixed. the leaked reports. Like yeah, yeah. If you live yeah. on Twitter, you live in a whole sphere of reality. That's not reality. It's just... Uh, did you hear? Like, there's the fake Woj accounts, right? We see the Adrian Wojnarowski <laughs> right. accounts. That's like Joel. I saw one fake when Joel Embiid got traded for James Harden, and Joel Embiid apparently, you know, had to, saw it and was like, "What? Like, what, what's going on here?" Um, and that's the world we live in. The the Twitter version of this, but you're the real life version of this. So I'd like to hear what the real life version. Well, is the, like. it's it, it's a lot of talking. Yes, and a lot of things get leaked. Mm -hmm. On purpose, and a lot of things, you know, get leaked for a reason, right? You know, other teams want to maybe let something get out to disrupt another team. That's just the reality that we live in. But the truth of it is, is that every general manager is trying to figure out how to improve their team. Mm -hmm. And trading players is one of the ways that you try to improve your team, right? You try to find players who fit your system, fit what you're trying to do. And more importantly, you're trying to find players that possibly are underperforming in other, area, other teams and maybe they fit better in your system. So, um, but, bef you know, this week, I think every player in the league has been traded at least once. Yeah, exactly. A and, uh, but in the end, it's, you really get, it really comes down to this very simple thing, right? Most of the deals that are made are done with a financial idea of what you're trying to do financially that's going to help your franchise. And you're really just moving contracts around. If you really look at the bottom line of how to do a deal in the NBA. And uh, I just want to ask, because this is the generational gap. So, like, in the 1990s or the 1980s or the early 2000s, even before we had YouTube, Twitter, Friendster, MySpace, all these sort of things, it was uh, a phone call would, you know, would happen. Say you have a client, and it, say your client is Andre Drummond, and you call Andre Drummond, and you say, Drummond, uh, unfortunately, the Detroit Pistons have decided you do not want that $80 million, so you're going to go to Cleveland, and we're going to get John Henson back in return. Right. And, you know, thank you very much for your services. And that's the phone call experience. But now we have the Twitter experience, which is Andre Drummond and every single player in the league is on Twitter, and they're trying right. to see if their name is going to pop up in one of these deals. And that's how you find out. So as an agent in the new era, you almost have to do damage control as opposed to spin zone because before you know you get a call you're like hey you got traded this is a good opportunity the warriors want to use like if you're andrew wiggins in the 90s the warriors want to use you they want to put you in the system they don't right. want to rely on you to be a, a number two option they want you to be a four option and a better defender great and the money works out let's do the trade uh but today you find out on twitter and, and is that like a weird difference between those two things or is it more of the same as much as things have changed in the way that things are reported mm -hmm. in today's worlds compared to you know let's say yesteryear it's still the same right mm -hmm. and you know these teams are always trying to trade every single player right there's only so many ways you can improve your team right that's why we have a draft 
So we, you know, we want to draft the best player. We want to trade players, which you just saw. We're going to do free agency is another way to improve your team. And then the fourth way is you want to have players that you do draft improve from within. Mm -hmm. Those are the four ways in which you can improve your team. And every executive in the NBA is constantly looking at those four options to figure out how they can achieve their ultimate goal, which is to win the last game of the season. The one thing that as an agent or an executive, when I worked in the front office for many years and now as an agent, is I'm constantly aware of the possibility of a player getting traded. That's mm -hmm. my job, mm -hmm. right? If I have to wait to Twitter to find out <laughs> that mm -hmm. player X, which sometimes it does happen, you know, trades happen, you know, sometimes trades do happen very quickly. But for the most part, I, you know, I'm gonna hear that, that Tate has been in a few trades. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely okay. would be in a few trades. So I find it hard to believe when a player says, I had no idea <laughs> in today's world mm -hmm. because of, you know, look, I can get a text, I can get an email, I can get a phone call. I could have been offered know, another contract and I said no, no to it. To it. Yeah, there are the, I'm in constant communication yeah. with the 30 teams in the NBA. So there are 30 numbers that I have locked in. Mm-hmm. All right, and those are the 30 owners and executives at these franchises. And it's my job to know, it's not their job to tell me what they're gonna do, mm -hmm. but I have some idea, you know. It's like anticipation in basketball. Yeah, it's like you wanna jump the passing lane. So if you see something's gonna happen right here, you're gonna get ahead of it and try to figure it absolutely. out, especially like, if it's your client. So, you know, you, you take the guys who got moved, like Clint Capella, who is a client. Mm -hmm. It was no surprise that Clint Capella got traded. Yeah. Do we know who he was going to get traded to? No, but we, you know, had an idea that he was going to get moved. Mm -hmm. And then you just look at the numbers and you go, who can absorb his contract? And then you say, well, there's three teams that could actually absorb this contract. Now, they can all deny it or say they have it, but when you look at the numbers, you just say, here are the teams. Clearly, Minnesota was going to make a trade. Mm-hmm. Now, did we know who that trade was going to be? Who who potentially on their team could get moved? Okay, was it a surprise that Wiggins got moved? No, I don't think anybody in the business was surprised. Mm -hmm. What was surprising, you know, was that contract being moved. The only way that contract could have been moved was for another player who was making similar max similar, money. Yeah. So, which is D'Angelo Russell, which so it is makes sense. So it makes so yeah. So you're when you look at this and you go, okay, if Drummond, for instance, because you you know you mentioned him, if Drummond, you you look at his production, and you go, that's a player leads the NBA in rebounds, leads the league yeah. in rebounds. That's a player that was drafted there. I find it hard to believe, and I don't know anything about Drummond, that it's hard to believe that there wasn't some level of interest to gauge whether or not. <laughs> he was interested in possibly coming back there or potentially leaving. Mm -hmm. Now, from what I've read from afar, it was obvious, or at least they were said, sources said that he is going to exercise his player option mm -hmm. to not to go to free agency. Well, if, the, if that is true, the player has an option to say that is not true, or I'm gonna assume there's some level of communication that can be had between him or his representation or whomever to get a feel on how this is going to play itself out. I mean, there's no doubt about that he's a really good player. There's no doubt about 
that, you know, he is very productive. But in today's world, communication, that's very hard to believe that there isn't some form of communication with the teams because of all of the ways that we have to communicate with each other, right? I don't have to talk to you now to no, find get out. get a text, get an email, email. I can do voicemail. Yeah, you can do things and, and you see what's out there. So, you know, I, every DM, day, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, every day can, yeah. I am in constant communication with the teams mm-hmm. and the teams are in constant communication with the players and their representation. Mm-hmm. And then you try to figure out based on, if I keep hearing Tate's name from four different GMs, that's not at a certain point I have to say, okay, I don't know what's going on, but Tate's name is out there. Mm-hmm. So which leads me to believe now I got to figure out based on what Tate makes, what other teams are doing, the, the type of player you are, what team that he may want to go, go to. to. Yeah, so yeah. you can kind of, you don't know the exact team, but you can say, here are the four teams that could absorb Tate's contract right now. And then it's my job to figure out, Hey, what's going on here. And if they say, I can't tell you exactly what we're doing, which is fair, mm-hmm. but I can tell you Tate's name has come about, then it's my job to say, okay, Tate's name is in a potential trade and you have to be prepared for that. So that's the world we live in. And knowing what I know, cause I worked on the other side, if I wasn't doing that, then I wasn't doing my job. So mm-hmm. let me get everyone caught up to speed. Every player in the league name is in some trade, mm-hmm. whether that tr- player has been offered to another team or more importantly, I'm going to inquire about Tate's availability. Mm-hmm. Like people called the Sixers this week and said, is Ben Simmons, Simmons available? available? Is Joel Embiid available? available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's it's only, fact finding. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. every player more than likely will get traded. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, it's, it's highly unlikely that you'll have what Reggie Miller did or, or players who will play with one organization. Right. Um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was traded. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, Michael Jordan didn't play with one franchise, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's Julius Irvin or whomever. But the, the, the fact remains is that being traded or going to free agency is this, it's part of the professionalism of this league and it's going to happen. And we all have to be prepared for that because that is the business that we're in. And you said it, this is the business and you explained the entire intricacies of that business. Right. But Andre Drummond put out to the world, he said, I learned today this is a business. So, you know, seven years in, today is the day when you get moved that you, you realize it's a business. So, like, for me, I always feel bad for people like that. When you don't when you think it's a family, and then, you know, seven years in, you're, it's like if you got married to someone, you realize it was a sham, and they were just trying to get in the U.S. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, this is a business decision. I thought this was a loving, personal decision. You know, hey. So, I hate to I see that. I don't that, know. that hurt my feelings to see. So, I feel yeah, bad for Yeah, well, you know what? So, let's just say. It's a cold world. Is that a J. Cole reference? Or is <laughs> it, Cole. It, it, hey, it, hey, it's Free Music Friday. It's yeah, Cole it's uh, every young player that comes in this league mm-hmm. should understand that this is a business first and foremost. And that's why they, you know, it's a professional league, right? Mm-hmm. It's a National Basketball Association. And, you know, I, I just go back to my, my, when I first came in the NBA, the only piece of advice my father ever told me when I came in, he was like, be a professional. Mm-hmm. Show up on and, time, and work do, hard, and do keep your, your head job. down. Yeah, and, do your and, job. Do your job. Yep. And my, my dad, my entire career, never gave me advice on how to play. My dad never told me what I should shouldn't be doing. But he insisted that I be a professional. Mm-hmm. That was the only piece of advice when I got drafted. 
was be a professional. He said, that means you show up and you do your job. Mm-hmm. Like you should make that shot now because you're getting paid to make that shot. <laughs> like don't go to the gym talking about you're grinding. No, <laughs> don't go to the gym talking about I made 45 out of 50 shots. Mm-hmm. Like they said, be a professional. You get paid to make that shot. So make the shot. Make the shot. Mm-hmm. And if you can't make it, someone over there on the bench will take your spot. Make it. So he just told me from day one that what being a professional was all about. Like he was like, I don't get a prize for showing up at work every day. Like mm-hmm. that's what I do because I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. And that's how you should approach this job. They're paying you to do something. If you just want to go play and hang out and have fun, then you can go to the Y and go to the, the rec center and that's where you have fun. Yeah, go after but it. But here, mm-hmm. this is a different animal. And I kept that with me my entire career. Like, I didn't celebrate because I made a shot. I didn't celebrate really when we won a game. Like, mm-hmm. I got paid to do that. I was trying to be as professional as I possibly could. And uh, I did, that just stuck with me. So. I think every player learns at some point it's this isn't fun in games like it's a job yeah and people get fired when they don't do their job right mm-hmm. coaches if they don't win games will get fired mm-hmm. if general managers don't put together a team they will get fired players if they don't perform will get traded mm-hmm. the only one that sticks around is the owner and that's because he owns the team <laughs> okay and you have to understand that and i think the sooner you can understand that, the better you will be, or better off you will be because that's what this business is all about. And two players I can point to just sort of in that same vein as we're talking about this is on the Grizzlies at the start of the year. Yeah, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, which when I talk about guys that they may not make every shot that we're talking about and they may not be, you know, quote unquote, world beaters on the NBA basketball court because, you know, Jay Crowder was at one time with the Celtics, maybe right. that guy at the three spot, but he's aging to a veteran professional and Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder in the locker room from Memphis, you could see it had an impact on those young guys. And even though they had such an impact, they still got traded. And they're going to Miami, which right. is probably a better opportunity to maybe, you know, compete for a championship, even though Memphis is, you know, in the playoff race. But still, even if you're at that peak professional level where, you know, everyone's glowing about how great you are with these young guys, sure. you're still in the chopping block and you're still available well, to get it, traded. You, ha- you have to be... I've been on both sides. I was a young player at one time, believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not, see, yeah, I was the, young the, the, at one the kid. time. Yeah, that's where it came and from. And then when you become a veteran, you understand, you know, I, 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 my thing about the veteran and veteran leadership to me is the following. When you become a veteran, you're not so much, you know, loyal to the organization anymore. You have to be loyal to the game mm-hmm. because the knowledge of the game has to be passed on from one player to the other. There's in, there, you're not going to learn how to be a, a veteran from a coach. You're not going to learn how to be a good veteran in a book. You're not going to learn how to be from your high school coach or your mentor outside. You're going to learn how to be a good veteran from someone within that organization or within that locker room. And I knew when it exactly happened for me when I became a veteran because I was so appreciative to a veteran named Craig Hodges, Mm -hmm. what he did for me. Craig Hodges was a starting guard in the NBA when I came to the Bulls. Mm -hmm. He was a starting guard. But Craig Hodges was such a good veteran to me that he shared with me all of the things that helped me take his job. Mm -hmm. And I'm forever grateful for that. 
I didn't learn that from Phil Jackson and the triangle offense. I didn't learn that from Michael Jordan, who was a two guard, or Scottie Pippen. Those guys were great in their own. I learned my position and what it took to be a professional from another guy who had already done what I was trying to do. He didn't have to help me. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to help me and give me tips during the game as the game. I came in and took his position and was playing, but because he was such a professional and his devotion was to the game, mm -hmm. that's what being a pro is all about. And I never forgot that. So when I see veterans passing on information mm -hmm. and knowledge to the young guys, and you know this young guy is going to either perform and play against you, right? So when you see Kevin Garnett sharing information with this another player on another team or a player on his team, that's because he's given the wisdom of the game itself. And in my humble opinion, that's, what's, that's what you don't see anymore in the NBA because of so many young players coming in. The middleman, if you will, the, 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 the middle class of the NBA no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Because you have so many, well, we have max players, and then you have all of these young kids or rookies coming in. There's no more guys in the middle. And the guys that are the veterans are on veteran minimums, right. and they're making less money than those so rookies. So there's see, like a, a social complex there. When you see Jay Crowder, okay, mm -hmm. and you see what he does professionally night in and night out in this league, okay, you realize when you come into this league, everyone can't shoot, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I always joke. Every time I see like my former teammates and I see these guys and I can't wait to see them, you know, Michael and these guys this weekend, you know, my first seven years or eight years in the NBA, I never had a play call for me. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. You know, you know, one of my pet peeves. So in the eighth year when you got the play call, yeah, did yeah, you finally yeah. realize it's a business? You're I was like, like, oh, I wait looked, a second. This I is looked, a business. Yeah, I looked around at Phil Jackson and I go, he said, BJ has a play. I was like, who's BJ, right? <laughs> you know? And I always joke. I always joke. Phil, with, you meant MJ, right? Yeah, yeah, He's you like, meant no, MJ. BJ. No, BJ, right? Um, my first seven, eight years in the NBA, literally, you know, I, I never had a play. I, I never had a play. You know, I would always joke, but I always understood my role and, you know, and, and how to play in this league. And But, but the point I'm making is that the, these guys who – my biggest pet peeve or one of my pet peeves in the NBA is to hear guys say they're not getting enough touches. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not getting enough touches, you know? And, and, and I, it always sticks out to me because when you're playing on a team, you always try to find a way to contribute to the game without having to be a primary player on your team. Mm -hmm. That to me is what makes a pro. And, you know, people like just the other day, every time, you know, like one of the, the I get asked the same question all the time, you know, what's it like playing with MJ, right? And I get that every, and I just got it the other day. And, and you know, as I watch the game, I always hear people say they need touches, you know, coach isn't calling my number, <laughs> coach isn't this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I respected about MJ, and I was just thinking about, as I watched the game today and and I said, one of the things that really stood out about him that's really unique, right? And it's even more so now. And and you know, like as you get older, you begin to reflect on a lot of things. 
But the one thing that made him Jordan was his first year in college. He was a role player. Oh, yeah. He wasn't allowed to be on the Sports Illustrated cover. Dean Smith took his spot. See, Michael saw me Mm -hmm. when he didn't have to see me. He, 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 as great as he was as an individual talent, why would he even care about BJ? Mm-hmm. The only reason he cared about BJ or John Paxson or all of the other role players, Luke Longley, Luke Longley, mm-hmm. Bill Winnington, Will Purdue, all of the other players, Bill Cartwright, Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, so forth, because he was a role player. Think about, think mm-hmm. about what I'm saying here right now. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was a role player at the University of North Carolina. Because he did the dirty work. And and Dean Smith made him do the dirty work. And that, my friend, is what separates him from all the other guys because he had to learn how to play without the ball. Michael Jordan never averaged, I don't think he averaged 20 points in college. He was a role player. He had to play his role, the same as me. He had to stand in the corner. Mm -hmm. And if James Worthy got tired enough and couldn't shoot it, he would throw the ball. And that, that was where, not often. That was you know, not often. Right. <laughs> maybe like, that's this is my Michael, team. I don't and, know who and, this freshman is. And, this is my team. But Michael had such an appreciation for the role players because he was a role player. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Today's star players, they've been a star the whole way through this. But the best players, in, some of our best players in the game today were role players. Kawhi Leonard was a role player when he first came in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, Giannis wasn't Giannis when he was playing, when he was coming up through the system. He has a certain, if you watch him play, he has a certain awareness of like what's going on around him. And I think that stems from you learning how to play without the ball. If I had, if if my son, Oscar, who I was just talking to prior, you know, coming on the show, if he was a star player, the first thing I would it was be two things. First thing I would do is teach him how to dribble, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't I don't care about shooting. Mm-hmm. Just teach him how to dribble because mm-hmm. all of the great players can always get from A to B by themselves. Mm-hmm. So teach him how to dribble, and I would teach him how to play without the ball, because if you can learn how to play without the ball, you're playing every phase of the game, mm-hmm. like. Just catch it and shoot. How many players just can't like come off a down screen and shoot? How many players can't play without being the primary ball handler and distributor or the coach calling them a calling their play? So when you watch Michael Jordan play, whether it was an all-star game, the Olympics, with the with the starters, with the the bench players. He always knew how to fit in into the game because he didn't need the ball and need to be just a primary ball handler. By the end of Michael Jordan's career, he had reinvented himself. He was basically a two guard disguised as a center. He just played on the low block. He was like, throw it to me in the post, <laughs> and I'm gonna do a turnaround, and then I'm gonna think hit about it and go that. Back on defense. So here's a guy who was as athletic as anybody. Mm-hmm. Then by the time he got to the end of his career there in Chicago, as far as winning championships. He was really a center. He was basically a center at the two-guard position Mm -hmm. at the end, shooting fadeaway jump shots. And I always tease him. The young Jordan would never fade away from anything, right? And that's why I always, you know, we always talk about who's the greatest 
teams and the greatest. And look, that team that won in, I think, 90, what the, the team that won 72 wins, right? Oh, 96. 96. 96, 96, yeah. 96. And I always ask the same question. Would the fadeaway Jordan beat the young, aggressive 92 Jordan? I think so because he would drive the young Jordan insane. Because the young, the young Jordan hadn't, you know, he hadn't basically been able to put it and box it into what it was. He hadn't been able to channel it. Like Jordan never had tunnel vision, but he was able to finally, after Isaiah and those guys, it felt like he got roughed up. That young '92 Jordan wasn't going to lose to anybody because that young '92 Jordan, that man wasn't going to lose to anybody. <laughs> because he had the effort and the energy necessary mm-hmm. to do whatever was ever necessary. I watched a man get on the get on the plane in game six with one suit when we had two games <laughs> ready to play. <laughs> that young Jordan wasn't gonna lose. How you gonna get dressed if we gotta go to game seven? He's like, ain't no such thing as game seven. That man got on the plane with <laughs> one played, pair of never shoes. Never played in game seven. That man got on the plane with one pair of shoes and one suit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, said, y'all bring the socks and all the other things, and I'll do the I'll rest. I'll see you on the bus. <laughs> now, We're celebrating now, on the bus. <laughs> this is not a movie. This is not a story I heard. <laughs> and I remember everybody looked at him and said, well, well, hell, if he only got one suit. Yeah. Game six, we must go win the game because yeah. the man got on the plane with one suit and one pair of shoes. And that's it. And that's it. He said, now y'all y'all job is to bring everything else. Y'all bring the y'all bring the tights <laughs> that I wear. Y'all bring the uniform. Bring my Carolina shorts. Y'all bring the Carolina shorts. <laughs> but <laughs> this guy right here got one suit. <laughs> now and I remember we all laughed. I remember the coaches looked at each other. Everybody was like, he's serious. And that's all the confidence we needed. Now, I can laugh about it today, but I wasn't as confident as he was Mm -hmm. going back after we had lost two out of three games in Chicago. But he was confident enough, and that's how he was. And uh, that young guy that played them, that was, man, he was a cop. I mean, when I tell you, it wasn't cocky. He just had amazing confidence. You know, one of the best things that ever, that, that I've ever seen, that I learned how to scout as I was learning to scout and evaluate talent up here is USA Basketball. USA mm-hmm. Basketball is probably my, that's the best event for me to be able to watch a player. And a uh, quick story, every player that I've ever represented, I've always encouraged them to play at USA Basketball. USA Basketball was is always the greatest event for me because it forces you as a player to learn how to contribute without the ball. Mm-hmm. And as a point guard, you learn playing in, in those type of events, how you can contribute and how to control the game without actually scoring. It's like one of the only events because every player on the team is a really great player. And the greatest growth I've seen in a player has been Derrick Rose's first year with USA Basketball. And I attribute that all to Coach K and that staff that was on the team because Coach K was the first coach who forced Derrick Rose to play without the ball. <laughs> He's playing the two, basically. He was playing whatever they were playing. They, mm-hmm. You know, whoever gets the rebound could push it up, right? Because mm-hmm. you had so many great players. You had Chauncey Billups. You had Russell Westbrook. You had Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. You had so many great players. And for the first time, he had to learn how to contribute to a game without being the primary guy. And that summer, Coach K 
was the reason that Derrick Rose the following year won the most valuable player. Because Derrick Rose learned at USA Basketball how to control a game without scoring. And then he always had the ability to score and take over a game as an offensive player. But once he learned how to control the tempo, once he learned how to manage a game, once he learned how to do all of the other things that could contribute to winning without having just to score 35 points, it was a wrap. That it was the most significant event that happened for his career. And, and I always encourage every player to play at USA Basketball because that's the only place you can learn it today. You're not going to learn it in school because they don't stay in college long enough to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to learn it in the NBA because there's not enough time to learn it in the NBA. That's why you're seeing guys like Luka Doncic benefit now so much because when he was playing in Spain over there, and I've had clients who played with him. I watched how he had to be a role player first. Mm-hmm. And now that you put the ball in his hand, he understands how to pass the ball to those guys. And he understands the angles. And he understands the awareness because he has been playing off the ball so long over there that now when he does get the ball in his hand, he understands both sides of the equation. He understands mm-hmm. what it's like to stand over there and wait for a guy to pass you the ball. And now he understands his responsibility of having the ball in his hand. And I, and I encourage all of these young players, if you really mm-hmm. watch all of these young players today, the only place they can really learn how to reach their maximum potential is USA Basketball. USA Basketball is the only place now that a great player can actually hone his skills, if you will, to be that player. Mm-hmm. Derrick Rose, you know, I watched how, what it did for Derrick Rose. I've watched what it's done for Kevin Durant. I've watched what it's done for LeBron James. And every young player that's ever played on USA Basketball, that following year, they always have incredible seasons. I mean, you even told me the story one time about when Derek was there with Steph Curry. Now he was just – Steph Curry Steph couldn't Curry. bring the ball up the court. Ste- and Steph the next Curry, year he took the step. Yeah, you know Steph I mean? Curry playing in USA Basketball, mm-hmm. he wasn't starting. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that Steph Curry. But – the second, third year. I, 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 yeah. I'm willing to bet if Steph Curry ever gets him, if we ever get on the show, and we talk about him. His biggest jump that I saw in his career was from the beginning of USA basketball that year, the World Games, the yeah. World Games, mm-hmm. into the following season. He became an unbelievable player because I watched him play off the ball. I watched him play on the ball, and then watching him now, you going, yeah, I saw all of that development in that little phase there, mm-hmm. and then he's perfected it now. Mm-hmm. Now he has an advantage because he knows how to play with the ball, which he's incredible. But you know what he's really amazing is without the ball. He's J.J. When people talk about J.J. Reddit running around screen and stuff, Steph Curry yeah, does the, the same, same thing. thing. He does the same thing, but at a higher level. Yeah, but at the, <laughs> the best version of that, yes. So when you have that, when you have that, you know, that knowledge or that understanding – it just gives you a significant advantage. And I remember I remember watching him, how much better he was from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And by the end of USA Basketball over there, it was in uh, Istanbul, Turkey. You just saw, you were like, oh, wow. You just, I remember, I remember, it was like, oh, wow. Because the, the guards were Steph Curry, mm-hmm. Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, and Chauncey Billups. So it wasn't like a significant difference between them. But the funny thing was, I never imagined that three out of those four would actually be MVP. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the craziest that's thing about cra- it. Yeah. But I remember watching the the growth in all of their games mm-hmm. at that that at that age. 
Coach K had three guys in his guard as his guard. And Chauncey Billis at the time, remember, he was a he was a perennial all-star. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chauncey Billis might have had the most experience out of all of them at that particular time. And this he is, was on that team to set the tempo. Absolutely, to absolutely. Be that guy. He yeah. was he was the guy we were started the discussion with. Hodges. He, he was the Craig Hodges. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was think about it. They're all like I don't know what we want to call it, but they're all like they're not, none of them are traditional point guards. Mm-hmm. They're scoring combo they're all like guards, combo yeah. Yeah. six three six mm-hmm. four of some sort in today's game. And it all started with Chauncey Billups. That's a fact. Chauncey Billups was the leader of that group. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Derrick Rose benefited from that. He didn't learn that anywhere else. He learned that Chauncey, Russell Westbrook, MVP, Steph Curry, MVP. And, and I remember thinking, this to me is the training ground for greatness. Because mm-hmm. there's no other place that you can actually have to learn how to play without the ball in your hands. And that is... The, that's what separates the really good players from the great players. Kawhi Leonard in today's game is the best player because it's not his game isn't dependent on how, how many points he scores. Mm-hmm. He will affect the game every You're game. You're playing Kawhi's tempo. Kawhi Leonard is going to have an effect on the game, whether he gets 30 shots or whether he gets five shots. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that level, now you're talking about a superstar. Giannis, he doesn't have to score 30 points to play a great game. Mm -hmm. That's what a superstar does. And USA Basketball forces you to do that. Kevin Durant at Golden State suddenly became, he was a scorer, scorer, scorer. And then when he went to Golden State, you saw other phases of his game. He's blocking shots. He's passing the the ball ball, around, getting 10 assists in the game. He's playing defense. He's doing things. And you're going, okay, now this guy's unstoppable. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was getting upset with those comments because he was saying, I've always been this guy, but he had to score those points. Do what you got to do. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not here to say he yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that's the first time I saw him do exactly. it. Exactly. Like I'm the not, frustration yeah. shouldn't have been there. It was just like now that you are in this place where you are allowed to then play your full spectrum. And, 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 and it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. I'm not saying he couldn't do it. He did it for yeah, USA Basketball in 2010. He yeah, did, he's been doing well, it. Well, when I first saw him do it, it was at USA Basketball. Because mm-hmm. I remember they they, they they had him at the four at position. At the four, yeah. He's been and I thought, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> like, I had never seen him at the four. Yeah. And then I started to see him rebound the ball and push it out. And then I started to see him. He could defend on the, he could defend on the block. He could defend on the perimeter. I started seeing him doing things I hadn't seen before. I, I got a glimpse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I saw him put it all together. Offensively, he could always do that. Mm-hmm. But then when he got to Golden State, I saw him do that consistently. But I had already saw it in other venues. But I just hadn't seen it with the consistency that he was able to do it there in Golden State. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because this week we saw like the the video footage of Steph Curry and kept the Nets played, right. uh, you know, against the Warriors. You know, D'Angelo Russell was you know dapping up all those guys, Dinwiddie and all those guys, his former teammates. And then we saw Steph and uh, you know, Kevin obviously have their moment. And then you know, Durant went on a podcast with Matt Barnes and had this whole thing about how everyone wanted to break up this Warriors team as opposed to the Miami Heat big three. And of course we live in this world of comparing and contrasting the the super teams and, and what the media wants and, you know, who's the enemy at the end of the day. But 
that whole conversation it kind of it kind of neglects the fact that Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, that Warriors iterate Draymond, all those guys, that iteration of those five were playing basketball at such a supreme, beautiful level. Like when we talk about it, you have to give back to the game. Like regardless right. of what you think about why Kevin went to the Warriors or all the politics that go into it, the game of basketball that they played together was beautiful. You know, just as you were saying that, I was thinking about, I was like. You know what's really weird is all of them played USA and played on USA <laughs> exactly. basketball. You know, as you're saying it, I was like, you know, look, Draymond's greatest strength is that he doesn't he doesn't need the ball mm-hmm. to affect the game. Exactly. Okay. Steph Curry knew that. Steph Curry didn't even he want, want the ball the, early yeah, in his yeah, career. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to bring the ball up. I'm a I'm yeah, shooting guard. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna. And Don Nelson was like, No, you're a point guard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he Clay Thompson. I mean, this guy can score 60 points in 10 dribbles, <laughs> all right? I mean, as you were saying, as you were talking, I was thinking about, and then you you add another player mm-hmm. with Kevin Durant's skill set, right? I mean, like, I mean, he's... And even Iguodala, right? Iguodala's another guy. guy. So when yep. you put all of that together, and then as you were talking, I was thinking like, okay, no wonder they won. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have like five guys who don't need the ball as primary ball handlers or distributors or whatever you all want to the call skills it. that want the ball, but they don't need the ball. And they knew how to play as a group, and mm-hmm. that's a very powerful thing. And uh, I think Andre Iguodala played on. I think yeah, he was he USA. Did. So yeah. as you think about it, you know. But I, I just as we were talking here, that was the biggest jump that I saw, and I just hope that these young players respect what USA basketball can do. But most importantly, what they will do for your game. And if you want to be a great player, I think that's the only place where you can learn how to be a great player is to play USA basketball and 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 learn to play the game without being the primary guy on your team. And you'll see it this weekend. So next weekend, actually, we're going to go to Chicago. We're going to be there for the All-Star game. And we're going to watch the All-Star game on Sunday night and see a bunch of guys that – are basically doing it's a showcase there, there right. will be there will not be a moment where you know people figure out how to not be the primary ball handler because Giannis is holding the, I, I saw in the draft uh I think the three players that were left on the board for Giannis were James Harden Trey Young and uh Kimball Walker <laughs> and uh <laughs> he's like making his pick and he's like it's between Trey Young and Kimball Walker and they're like Charles is like why you know you don't want you don't want the dribbler you don't want James Harden and he's like it's like no I want someone to pass me the ball <laughs> And, you know, like, that, the All-Star game is not going to showcase any of that sort of stuff. But it is cool to see these guys that are, are you know, USA basketball, you know, alums, All-Stars, whatever, right. superstars, come together and play in this game. And we're going to be there. We're going to be watching. We're going to be talking to people. But is there anything? Because people always ask me, like, what can I get out of an All-Star game? Because, like, last year in Charlotte, Steph throws the bounce pass for the alley-oop for Giannis. And that's what people took away from it. Like, and Kyrie was the MVP of the All-Star game. And right. then LeBron left Miami and went to Cleveland. And people think that had some sort of ripple effect. But I don't even know if there's anything to be learned from the All-Star game other than the fact that the supreme talent that is there, it, it, it's impressive to see them have to play together, well, if anything. One thing that I've always learned, right, I, I, and, and I'm going to share this with with you, is when you go to All-Star Weekend, right, mm-hmm. yes, it is entertainment, it is entertaining, and it is fun. But it's all I always watch the All-Star game with this in mind. Who thinks they're the best player on the court? Mm-hmm. And the players always tell you who the best player in the NBA is. Mm-hmm. The players, no. And I always watch the body language of the players. You know, one year... Uh, believe it or not, Tate, I made the All-Star. <laughs> I made the All-Star team. Yeah, I love and, it. And the first call I got was from Michael, and at the time he was retired. And So this is 95, 94, yeah, 95? Somewhere yeah. around there, right? 
And, you know, he said, congratulations, da-da-da, and, <laughs> and all this stuff. But then he was very clear to make sure that I knew who the best player in the NBA was and never defer to anybody during the game. So, which I thought was weird. So I was like, well, what does that mean? Like defer, he was like, because you don't know who you're gonna play in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You can't show any signs of weakness or deferring to anyone, especially on your own team, you know, in the Eastern Conference. Now the games, you know, the teams are mixed. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, so there's a game within the game. He was like, absolutely. We gotta know who the best player in the NBA is because if he is the best player and we all know he's the best player, then we got to figure out either how to beat that player mm -hmm. or that player is just going to roll over you. I was like, so all those years that you played, you were just going there to make sure that everyone, he was like, absolutely. Which I is made, funny because we all remember when Isaiah froze him out of the yeah, All-Star. Yeah, so it is fun, <laughs> but the older, the older players in the league, they know, the, they know what I'm saying here, mm -hmm. that they're going to make sure that you know I'm the best player. Because the players know, right? The players know who the best player is on USA Basketball. The best players know who's the best player in the All-Star game. And then it's very important, if you're an All-Star, not to defer to somebody else that you got to guard. So mm -hmm. if I'm playing against you, I'm not going to defer to you because I'm probably going to see you somewhere in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're open, but I'm open too. And it's, it's always a game within a game. You don't disrespect anyone, but you never defer. Mm -hmm. Right. So the way the way the game is played is <laughs> you don't go out there hunting for shots, mm -hmm. but you don't pass up any shots. <laughs> OK, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I went to the all star tell game. James Harden that. Yeah, I, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling you what the, the, the champions the rules are, yeah, the yeah. rules of the game are. Mm -hmm. There are rules to that game. Mm -hmm. And every year I go to the game to find out who the players are going to say. Who's the best Last player? Last year, they would have probably said Giannis after that game. Well, as I I always look, Kawhi Leonard, you watch the players when they play against him. It's a little different. Mm -hmm. It's just a little different. And the older players, the I'm going to the All-Star game next week to find out who's going to win the NBA championship. Because let me tell you something. Kawhi Leonard... I can assure you Doc Rivers and Jerry West are telling Kawhi Leonard exactly what I'm saying here right now. I can assure you that. I can assure you that LeBron James has been around long enough to know. I can't defer to Kawhi, who is on his team. <laughs> I can assure you. So there's going to be a moment in this oh, game on a fast no, no, break no, no, where no, LeBron James can go down and dunk yeah. it or throw an alley to Kawhi Leonard. Everybody he's going to make that choice. I can assure you that if Kawhi Leonard senses anything against those guys, it will be packed for the potential of what they're going to do. I can assure you that Rudy Gobert and all those guys, Kawhi Leonard and all those other players will have an eye on what's going on. Now, everyone else can be having fun, mm -hmm. but the competitors that are there are going to be competing. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be looking for every advantage that they, they, they can gain because that advantage is the difference between winning and losing. So everyone thinks, yeah, it sounds good and here and all those things. Mm -hmm. If I can get my advantage in the locker room, I've already done my job. And if you leave that game and go back to your team and everyone says, oh, you are the best player in the All-Star game, then they know okay. we have a chance to So win. Giannis, in my opinion, should be going there to establish that he's the best player in the NBA. 
And it would make sense. He's in Chicago, close to Milwaukee. We'll have fans there. I mean, it, it could be a so statement. So in, in, in 92, mm-hmm. in 92, okay. And when you look at 92, at the, when, when, when Pippen and Jordan, those guys went to the Olympics, when everyone came back from the 92 Olympics, what did they all say? Michael Jordan is okay. the best. Okay. That Magic was, Johnson said it. Yeah, Larry, Larry Bird, Bird said, said it. it. Everyone that said it. That was not an accident. It was, that wasn't an accident. He, he's just, he can execute to that level and that focus to where he put everybody on notice so that everyone would have to defer to him. Mm-hmm. So the, some of the guys, it will look like they're just out there having a good time and no one's playing hard. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that that guy in that guy in the Clipper uniform, he knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And Doc Rivers, I can assure you, is going to tell him to make sure that that is the case. That's a fact. Now, if those other players don't understand what I'm saying, they can have fun. It's, it'll be a lot of fun next weekend. It'll be a, it'll be great. It'll be like, <laughs> But there will be some of those players yeah. that will be doing it. And I think Damian Lillard is the same. Yes, he's built the same way. He's very Oakland. Damian yeah. Lillard is yeah. going to be in the locker room look, looking around. Do you hear he's performing at halftime, too? Apparently, he's going to rap at halftime oh, with man. J. Cole. I mean, oh, that's nice. going to be – I mean, the guy that's putting 60 points on you now is going to spit bars at uh, you. I mean, that's what we want to see. Uh, 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 that, that, that's uh, what we want to see on you're getting me, So you're, you're getting me sidetracked. Now. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean, though. That's but, what we want. We want someone to, you know, put 40 on you and then rap about it. Yeah, so – yeah, but that that's – there are rules to that all-star game and those rules have been in place for a long time. So don't get distracted about all this fun that they're having, mm-hmm. because some of those guys really are, they know what that all-star game really means if they're going to be there in June. Yeah. Setting the tone and uh, talking about facts and talking about fun. We're, we're definitely going to learn a lot uh, at the all-star game. We're going to learn a lot of being in Chicago and we're going to have a lot of fun because uh, you and I are officially going to be doing a panel for Mitchell and Ness. Yes. Uh, one night it would be you, TMC's own uh, Tim Hardaway will oh. be there as well, uh, which will be great in uh, Chicago. In Chicago, it, so Tim be... Hardaway, <laughs> Tim Hardaway. <laughs> that'd be Shout nice. out to them. that's my man. That's Tim it's gonna be great. And then we got uh, Hebrew Brantley, great artist, uh, Flyboy. Yeah. Uh, for people that know about that, so that'll be all. We'll do a whole panel. I'm gonna host that panel for Mitchell and Ness, and then we are launching the Mitchell and Ness podcast. We're gonna do a bunch of interviews and. Uh, I'm very excited, BJ. It's going to be great. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's it'll be a lot of fun. And you and I get an opportunity to talk about something we love, basketball, be yeah. around great people. And uh, it'll be fun. You know, we keep pushing through. Yeah, we got to keep pushing through. And Always. And now we have Mitchell and Ness. And uh, you know what? I'm really excited to see Tim Hardaway. You know what? <laughs> Quick Tim story. Every time I have a play against Tim... I would always pick him up full court. From the shot like Tim is so hard away. Yeah, I would always ask Tim to show me the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Just show it to me. <laughs> Just show. And Tim was a he was oh wow, he was he was a difficult guard. Oh he, yeah. Uh, he was he was he for was, people that don't know, run TMC. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a great time for the Warriors. Yeah, so not, this is not the new age Warriors that we all know and love, but the, the, the run oh, TMC TV days, was, those were great. Man, Tim, and Tim was, man, Tim, he had Mitch that knuckle Chris. three ball. He had the crossover. He could finish. And uh, he was a great player. And um, he was he, he was fun. And he, he would let you know about it, too. So I'm excited to see Tim. I'm sure he'll be. He's one of the best trash talkers, too. So it, 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 it'll be fun. That'll That's, be a fun interview. I definitely want to ask him about the All-Star game, about the unwritten rules of the All-Star game, just to see what Tim had to say about that. So that, that'll be a good time. I can't wait. I had to let him know, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Tim yeah. was, I, 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 you know, he's from Chicago, so he has a lot of pride, and he, he'll tell you, you know, that's what, 
that's why you played. You know, you had to let people know. And, uh, but man, it, it'll be a lot of fun there in Chicago. Yeah, when we're in Chi-Town, we're going to treat it like it's our town. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Let's do it.